0: Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. Our guest today is Giles Paley Phillips, an award winning children's author and musician, who, when we chatted about coming on the podcast, laughed as he didn't feel he traveled that much at all. But the Big Travel Podcast is all about exploring life stories as well as travel and finding out what makes people who they are. Now, when you hear Giles' stories and we muse about the reasons why he might not have traveled so much, it will truly tug on your heartstrings. So let's give him the proper introduction. Growing up in the small town on the English Sussex coast was idyllic for children's author and musician Giles Paley Phillips, until tragedy struck and changed the course of his life. As a teenager in a small town, he found the dodgiest clubs, yet soon learned his guitar was his ticket to ride. He's travelled the breadth of the UK, playing in Paul McCartney's studios in Liverpool at Glastonbury, and his latest book is inspired by the crisis in Syria. He has some brilliant stories to share. Here he is, Giles Paley Phillips. The funny thing was, is that you and I have met on Twitter yes. and got chatting and you're very entertaining and got a zillion followers. <laughs> How many followers do you have?
1: Oh goodness, about about 260,000 now, which is just, yeah, I can't understand it really. And, <laughs> I'm have just you, this have little you bought author. any of them? No, no, I haven't, no. But I did do one of these things recently because I think... Pierce Morgan was going on about how how many great followers he had, and then someone had put uh, uh, had analysed his followers, and he had like over a million fake followers.
0: <gasps> Seriously. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I thought and I saw the software they'd use, and I thought I'm I'm going to see. Him. And I did have about about fifteen thousand fake followers, like bots on. Then you think, oh my goodness, where have they come from? You know.
0: And why have they started? Well, to well
1: yeah, quite. I guess maybe I've you know posted a few things that have been you know it's been interesting or something, and or you know political stance or something, and then you know. They've kind of swarmed on me, but I haven't really noticed.
0: It's all very confusing.
1: Yeah. I have actually got a fake account. Oh, well, not me, personally, but there's a, there's a James Paley Phillips, and it's got my profile picture, and it's got some of my tweets and stuff on it. James Paley Phillips sounds even posher than Giles Paley Phillips, but...
0: I oh no, yeah. I think Giles is, Giles is <laughs> poshier than James. I'm
1: not a posh at all. It's really not... My, I hate my parents. How did them. you end up with Giles then? Well, I think I was going to be a Jonathan when I was born, but my parents chose Giles. My my parents were both quite... Uh, I guess they were quite conservative in their views, and I think my dad had, was born in Durham, and was from a working-class kind of coal-mining community, and, and he moved to London. I think he just... I mean, I think his surname was Phillips, and I think he just... And his, his mother's maiden name was Paley, so I think... He thought, I, "I really want to sort of like, you know, just a bit of one-upmanship on the sort bit of people." A social yeah, climate. yeah. So, yeah social, social climate. And so he decided to double-barrel his name, and so we all became double-barreled. Yeah.
0: And now um, I'm talking to you, I can I can hear that you're from the south coast, you know. And yeah, know yeah. I've got a bit of Sussex. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got the. We drop the our tees quite a lot. <laughs> you don't sound like a, a Giles. Mind <laughs> you, I've called my son Sebastian, which has got a bit of the same connotations, and I, I worry that people are going to think he's a twat. <laughs> yeah. well, like, I, know five, people,
1: but... I know I know but you know people yeah I do get like people thinking I'm a bit twattish or I I've had publishers say to me you know Have you thought about changing your name you know it's a bit too mm, well Norman th- Cook
0: did it didn't he, he was yeah. Quentin Cook Norman yeah Cook, of course Fat Boy Slim yeah and uh and he thought Quentin sounded too posh as well, well. we'll it.
1: yeah we just sort of get saddled a little bit I mean I'm not I say, say, my father's from working class background. I see myself from that kind of background. I'm very left leaning, liberal. I don't see myself as being like particularly upper middle class.
0: This is such a British thing, isn't it, to see. You know, people make judgments based on your name. And uh, yeah. me, as Lisa Francesca Nand, and it's not hyphenated. It's just I use my middle yeah. name because when I started off in radio many years ago, Lisa Nandy, who's now an MP, course, she was yes. in the yeah, yeah. in the press a lot. I think she was something to do with the Children's Society at the time. Oh, okay. But there was a big news story, and she was all around. And it was just when I was starting, and people were saying, "Oh, Lisa Nandy." And so I thought, oh, "I'll yeah, use yeah, my yeah, middle name." Go. And also, I'm no- known as my nickname, Chessie But that people think I'm a bit posh when I'm just not posh. I think all.
1: it's the, uh, that is that thing about the double barreled name, isn't it? A bit so, Tell
0: us a little bit about yourself. Who are you?
1: Well, I'm a I'm a children's author from the South Coast. I live in a little town called Seaford, um, which is kind of in between Eastbourne and Brighton. I would say when I, people ask me where it is, uh, so that's kind of the geographical location. But yeah, it's just on that that section of South Coast, kind of untouched. We get visitors in the town, but it's not you know it's not, not a great kind of holiday destination. You used to me visiting. Yeah. When
0: I lived in Brighton, I remember if I needed like a bit of an escape from. The craziness that was Brighton in the 1990s, it was a lot of, oh, well, it was hard work in a very, very fun way of working in the clubs and bars and things. And I remember one day just going down to Churchill Square and going, right, I'm going to get on a bus. And it said Seaford on it. I thought, sod it, I'm going to get on that bus (laughs) and go wherever it was and had this amazing day on the cliffs. Just above a golf course. Oh, and yeah, yeah, actually... so Seaford
1: Head, that's Seaford Head. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's
0: it. And getting very drunk actually. So it wasn't with yeah. my friend Kieran, so it wasn't it like a, actually really... a break from Brighton. Yeah, ball. and you have to be really
1: careful because a lot of people come along and they the cliffs are quite unstable up there. So they've had to start putting signs up now and stop, you know, because people just like to have a little pier over the side. And there was a big chalk collapse a couple of years ago, I think, a couple of summers ago. And, yeah, you just have to be so careful up there.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really scary. I mean, now yeah. I would not go anywhere near the edge. No. Of course, when I was 19 and drinking yeah. with my mate, <laughs> yeah. I was straight there. You know, you hear about all sorts of things happening and people losing their houses and things. Just, yeah. It's natural, isn't it? It's yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's natural erosion there, yeah.
0: So you started off as a musician, I do believe.
1: I did, yeah, for many years. I mean, I, I kind of... I wasn't very good at school. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I only got one GCSE. I just wasn't academic... Minded. I, I didn't One TCSE is
0: a bit yeah, rubbish. Yeah, actually. it is a bit rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> just a <to> rubbish.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it was in English, so that maybe like come back to helping me with that. So I was really interested in sport. I was really into football. I just wasn't academic at all, and I found school hard. I, I didn't have a particularly great home situation. My mum passed away when I was six, and um, my dad had a drink problem, and we uh, he sort of slowly over time we kind of downsized and downsized because he was sort of spending all our money on drink and stuff. So we we ended up in a one bedroom flat, me, him and my nan kind of randomly sleeping on the sofa. So sort of a very sort of surreal situation for teenagers to be in. So I think I didn't have sort of the home support to really get through school. So, yeah, I sort of found interest in other things. And music was one of them. Um, it was a bit of an outlet for me. And I used to write lyrics and stuff like that, and we'd write bands. And then I joined a band. when college years, I met out with some guys, and we, we, we formed a band, and um, we, we started doing lots of gigs around everywhere, and um, yeah, we cut a couple of VPs and, and, and toured around for a few years, and that was, you know, it was a really exciting time.
0: You did a lot of touring in the UK. Where was the best bit that you went to? Well,
1: we got to play Glastonbury in uh, 2000, which was amazing, as you can imagine. And quite surreal to be in this, you know, being Glastonbury. So that was that was incredible. That was probably the highlight of our career. But yeah, we got to tour around the place. I mean, like we went. Funny enough, when I was saying I was coming on to the podcast, and uh, my wife was sort of laughed and said, "Travel? You, you found it difficult enough to move to the other side of town when we moved house a few years ago." When we started actually talking about it, I was saying, well, "Wait a minute, I've actually done quite a lot of travel." And I like, guess it's that perception of travel. Like people think they're well travelled. You kind of think of them going to all sort of exotic destinations
0: yeah but, you don't um, have to go backpacking in nepal no you know? and for people in nepal and the other side of the world your beautiful seaside town in sussex is incredibly interesting yeah, and that's yeah. travel so where did you discover that you have travel to when you really thought about it because the first thing you we well, said when we were chatting you were like i haven't really been anywhere I was like, that's, yeah, fine. that's yeah, fine yeah
1: yeah well i think i, I kind of that perception of myself because i've lived in the same town all my life you know 40 years and um, like I say, we've, we've recently moved, so I've always lived in one side of the town, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I've been to, uh, we started sort of reading off a few names, but I've been up to Liverpool, I've recorded in Lipper, there's Paul McCartney's studio up there. Oh, what
0: was uh, that like?
1: Yeah, amazing, yeah, incredible institution and uh, fantastic Liverpool's was great
0: does he um, does he hang around there no he?
1: no I didn't see him but there's obviously lots of you know like the local pubs have got lots of Beatles memorabilia and murals and things on the walls it's that you know it's you can tell it's <laughs> it's these Beatles land kind and, of thing
0: yeah Liverpool is a really great place these days yeah isn't... it is
1: yeah yeah it was yeah it was very exciting to be I think it was the beginning of the kind of the just before they got um, made the City of Culture and I so I think. It was You could feel that was bubbling up, you know, and there was a lot, you know, a lot of students and everything. It was a real student, buzzy town, and, uh, yeah, it was exciting to be there. And, but, yeah, I mean, we've tra- I've travelled all over the UK, really, sleeping <laughs> in the back of our hands and in parking lots and all sorts of things. So, you know, it was a really exciting time.
0: What was playing at Glastonbury like?
1: Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, like it as like I say, it was quite surreal to be there. Obviously, we had um, backstage passes and stuff, so we we didn't have to slum it in the in the Porta Loues. <laughs> they're a bit hope. better. I always yeah, yeah. to they're a
0: bit better. They're still quite slumming it. Yeah, yeah. They're still Porta Um yeah. but they're just posher Porta Yeah, they like had a top gold taps. Seat or, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It wasn't quite as posh as that, but yeah, it was just an amazing experience to play. You know, we played on the same bill as uh, we were on the New Band stage, but we had like those bands like Flaming Lips and stuff. You know, admirer of, and um, yeah, it was just incredible, really.
0: It's just like I was talking to this about talking about this with Edith Bowman the other day, yeah. and Glastonbury is just this other world. It's just this beautiful, fabulous, and almost you know a massive music fan, but almost the music is almost incidental oh, totally, to the whole yeah. experience.
1: And yeah, and we didn't really discover the whole place till like the last day I think we thought you know it might have been a few hours before we left we sort of found a whole new section of you know and it takes you know it takes like 40-50 minutes with the crowds 40-50 minutes to walk around some bits of it and um, yeah like you say the, the music's such a it's just it is obviously a big part of it but it's not like you know there's so much else going on there.
0: I've done that with some towns though when I've been away copp P springs to mind I've been there like about four or five days and gone to all the nice little places and you know sat on the edge of the rocks drinking cocktails and you know in these gorgeous sort of bars and then i suddenly realized there was like this whole other area that sort of went back that i hadn't yeah, noticed yeah, i just yeah. only had like this was the first time i went only like two days left it's like oh god I'm yeah totally, no, no. i totally missed the whole point yeah, of being yeah, yeah, here Exactly. The best yeah, yeah.
1: Bar. yeah no it was, that was totally the, the, the same with glastonbury you know and also we, we kind of didn't watch that many bands i remember sitting around I mean, I think we just thought we were camping, you know. And I remember sitting with the drummer in the band, and we're still playing with the band with now, actually, Pat, and we, we were sitting there thinking, what are we doing? We're just sitting here. Like, we, haven't seen, home, see, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't actually seen any bands, and we, we made a real wet, conscious effort to go and watch some music, you know. And we saw a couple of really special bands, and it was, yeah, it sort of, you know, because it was just such a privilege to be there. Really. It
0: is. It's such a special experience. And I haven't been for many years now i haven't been with kids and i don't know if i can no. be bothered to take them i think i'd rather just get babysitting yeah, yeah i can't yeah. work out how to get tickets i know they'll get press passes for it it's so complicated the ticket buying process yeah it's absolutely just, yeah it just seems i haven't even attempted
1: maybe it, you actually. need to ask edith she might be having yeah it. yeah i think <laughs> she's got a few more better mates than yeah. me but you never know we'll yeah. both ask shall Yeah, let's yeah, yeah. so tweet her after
0: yeah. this so you're a musician you're still a yeah, musician yeah. yeah but obviously you never you know got to like number one or no whatever, no we that's, never made not, number that's one. not such a bad thing you're still working as a musician yeah, yeah. no it was great
1: me. and 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 yeah we had some really good years i mean you know bands are a bit like relationships when when they break up it's very sad and upsetting and it takes you a while to get over it but i knew i wanted to do something more creative after that and that's kind of when i started thinking about writing books
0: and you, one of your first books, I think, or your first writing experiences, you, you released a collection uh, of lyrics and poems in Age of Leukemia Research. Yes, which I gather is because you lost your mum mm. at the age of six. Was that your first published book?
1: Yeah. So I really wanted to do something. Um, I'd written, obviously, written lots of lyrics and stuff, and that some of the lyrics I'd written were about my mum, and um, I really, I just thought it would be a nice thing to do, especially to donate the, the proceeds to leukemia research as well so it was a kind of self-funded thing really it wasn't you know i didn't think i was going to get published properly so it, it ended up being kind of like that and um yeah the, the uptake for it was just amazing and like some of the feedback and stuff was really really incredible and actually kind of sort of spurred me on to sort of thinking about maybe doing some more writing
0: do you think in a very sort of amateur psychology way do you think that you're- Reluctance to to move um, and that sort of you know moving what your wife said about moving across town mm. has been hard enough for you do you think some of that has got to do with the loss you experienced at an early age
1: yeah I, we've actually yeah funny enough my wife and I've talked about this and how that yeah, I've got so many I'm so ingrained in the memories of, I've got in, in Seaford particularly so ingrained now that yeah i guess the idea of moving away from there is you know i feel feel like there's a i don't you know i'm, I'm an atheist i don't believe in like i um, have spiritual f- feelings but i i feel like there's still there's a presence there perhaps you know maybe through the memories i have you know the, the places i go to on a regular basis are places you know i would have walked with my mum and my dad my dad's passed away now as well so yeah so i think those those ingrained memories have really have probably have kept me there that
0: family connection yeah. is, is so intense sometimes. Isn't yeah,
1: it? and also I think having an, having my own family now, I've got two children, perhaps trying to make like a new set of memories that are, are, you know, a nicer memories of that area. Being in the town has have also you know kept me there
0: as well. It's a beautiful area though Sussex so for people this is a very international podcast mm. we've got p- listeners all over the world 80 countries so far in counting wow. including uh, about 40 US states I'm a bit obsessed with counting where people yeah, are coming <laughs> amazing. from we've got new listeners we've we got had this week we've had Taiwan this week okay uh, some new people in
1: there any in DC my sister-in-law lives in Washington DC yes
0: we've got oh, Washington okay. DC and obviously now we'll have another one with your sister-in-law yeah she's yeah gonna yeah, yeah. To it. but describe the beautiful Sussex coast and countryside for us
1: well, it is a remarkable piece of land. I mean, we're really near the Seven Sisters, which is this, I think, has been recently like put on TripAdvisor as being some like mecca of peace. And, and, and you do get quite a lot of tourists there, because it's this beautiful landscape of seven cliffs, chalk cliffs, and the area is sort of very untouched, and it is re- it is very peaceful. I mean, I I like walking a lot. I do a lot of walking. And it's kind of become like a friend to me, like if I, especially if I'm having a sort of creative block or something like that, like a writer's block and I, I really want to get out and just get some you know, just sort of just cleanse myself a little bit um, mentally, like I take a walk down to so this Hope Gap which is a set of rock pools which is um, between Seaford and the Seven Sisters and you just stand there and you can look across the bay and you see the, the Seven Sisters and it's just, you can hit a pin drop sometimes but it's so peaceful so that that is a very special place for me and like I say, it's a, it's a place where I can reflect and I can think Um, And really helps me if I'm, especially if I'm having sort of creative juices aren't flowing. It's a really nice place to go and have a real good think about what's going on in my life and what you know what I want to do and where I'm going and all that kind of stuff.
0: I think the landscape lends itself to deep thoughts in a way. One because it's so beautiful and so open and so high up, and you can just see right across there's nothing in the way apart from france you know yeah, of course. Don't yeah, think yeah. you don't even ever see france can you it's not not far quite away,
1: no but, no you're not.
0: but qu- also what's quite terrifying and and grounding about it is that you know that if you walk a few meters in that direction you could die you know? yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah there's nothing yeah. blocking you from from walking so it, it i think it does it's a landscape that that helps generate deep thoughts and yes
1: absolutely yeah
0: calming thoughts but also a lot of people do unfortunately go down there to kill themselves well yeah better. i
1: mean yeah beachhead in particular yeah that obviously has a reputation for that which which is really sad but yeah i mean like, for me it, it feels like a calming place that i can where i can go and reflect and you know um i read something recently about um trying to sort of lift mental health um, issues and stuff and one of them being that you know spending time with nature and how that can really you know can really lift your spirits and so yeah i mean i would, would say that you know that's my place i want to lift my spirits
0: i'm i spent a lot of time in brighton so 20 years on and off mm. and used to work for the bbc down there and do a lot of reporting around the the sussex countryside and the as, uh, coming away from the cliffs is also fantastic you've got the south downs very rolling green beautiful hills peppered with beautiful beautiful villages and great pubs and walks and places to stop it really is it's probably one of my favorite places in the country
1: yeah it is extremely beautiful down there i mean a, a friend of mine and i keep saying that we're gonna we're gonna do a bike ride along the, the 100 mile stretch of the south Down. i think it starts in like winchelsea or something like that and then goes down to i suppose hastings or something around that sort of area but yeah i mean i'd love to do that because it is such a It's such a beautiful part of the world. And one, like I say, that's kind of... It's almost like a secret. It's not really... You know, in some respects, there are other places in the UK people go to the Cotswolds and things like that. And it's... But, you know, the Sussex Coast, it's not still... It seems... Fairly untouched and fairly undiscovered in a way.
0: And Brighton is like a great town, and I spent a lot of time there. Did you go there when you were a kid growing up in Seaford? Was that your going out?
1: First? Yeah, yeah, that was where, you know, if you wanted to go and see a movie, you had to go to the, you know, to the cinema. I was in Brighton, so you get on a bus or train. I, I went to school in Lewes, but it, so we, it was only a short journey on from there. So, yeah, yeah if you want to go and buy new trainers, I think Brighton was the place to go. Did you Um, not
0: have a terribly misspent youth like I did in the clubs and pubs in Brighton? you know, I didn't really do
1: much clubbing in Brighton, actually. I have to say, in Seaford, we had this small-town club called the Trek Club. It's probably really bad, me talking about this, actually. But that's where I met my wife. Um, But it was just this, you know, sticky floor. It was called the Trek Club because they had Star Trek (laughs) memorabilia hanging on the ceiling. It was this very strange, bizarre place. You know, you're guaranteed a fight at least two or three times on a Friday night. So we didn't need Brighton. We had our own. It's like Brighton indoors.
0: <laughs> that sounds very... I'm trying to think of a word. It sounds very cool. Yeah, it sounds really No, it's cool. not
1: cool. <laughs> cool was not what it was. It was not cool, you know.
0: I love that sort of small town though. there. Oh, it was just, yeah. A, a it, small it just town ho- club.
1: Just horrendous, really. Um, <laughs> it's the sort of worst sides of people. But, you know, we all went there. It was, you know, we all went there because... There was nowhere else to go. If you wanted to go to Brighton, you had to go out early in the evening because, you know, you wouldn't be able to get there otherwise. So I never did the Brighton thing, but I did when I was in bands. Brighton was the place to go and see bands and stuff. So when I was more into watching bands, that was kind of, you know, there used to be loads of great venues in Brighton. Um, yeah, I the think they're getting threat.
0: back to the the live music thing. Yeah, it, it went seems away to be a bit for of a while, re- yeah. renaissance now. With live yeah, there used, the used to be like the, I
1: don't know if you ever went to the Free But there was a, yep. yeah the Free Button and there was um, the Richmond But it turned into the pressure point I think. Yep. Yeah, we used to play those those places quite a lot, and yeah, and there was a really cool. I mean, I'm obviously into rock music, but there was a really good rock scene in Brighton. I would say in the sort of late '90s, early noughties. and it and it was yeah, it was a cool place to be and. and, and you know, to go to any gigs you'd see the same faces all the time and it was it was a real really cool community there.
0: So having uh, are you still sort of surrounded by the people that you went to school with and you went to the, the trek. The trek or the trek, trek? The, trek. the trek. Yeah, the trek. <laughs> the trek. Um yeah. go going, did you say to uh, each other you're going trekking tonight?
1: What, some people did say that yeah, i yeah. would never have said that <laughs> um I would have those sort that. of people i wouldn't hang around with <laughs> um yeah but people would say that i mean the, the one thing of staying in the same place um is interesting actually you see a lot of my friends obviously moved away from universities but a lot of them are coming back again because you know they've got parents in the area and they've had children and they like the area you know there's an idea you know there's nice schools in the area and stuff like that so they they They've come back to you know to settle.
0: It's a good idea. Yeah, like, it's not know. like you're going back to Wolverhampton. I'm sorry to the people of Wolverhampton. I've only been once. On my wife's family. From Wolverhampton. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is going horribly wrong. Like, but Wolverhampton. I've yeah, only been. Yeah, yeah. I've driven through once. It wasn't great. Yeah. You know, it's not like you go back. You're going back. You're going back to live in a beautiful place.
1: Wolverhampton's like the trek.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The whole <laughs> of, thing. Of, sticky. Yeah, the yeah. whole of Wolverhampton is covered in yeah, sticky yeah. carpet. <laughs> and spit dangling. We're well, been really uh, horrible to people. I apologise
1: to anyone from Wolverhampton. I'm
0: sure. I'm sure it's perfectly <laughs> lovely it was a long time ago that I drove through really fast yeah. and I haven't been back so no but I can kind of relate to that thing I'm sort of I know I'm sort of half laughing with you and at you but I, I go back to my hometown now a lot and it's in, in Spain on the Costa del Sol. Although I was, I was born on the Wirral in the north of England which is lovely but we've got no reason to go back there now because my nan died a, a few years ago and, and you know we don't have as many reasons to go back mm. even though it's beautiful. But I go back, I moved to Spain when I was seven in this tiny village on the uh, Costa del Sol and it's it's expanded into a, mm. a bigger town now, it's part of Frangarola but I go back there every six or so weeks at the moment with my kids, you know we've got place there and and i'm i'm surrounded by the people i went to school with and yeah. i walked down the road and that's that's where so and so you know fell off their bike or someone put chewing gum in my hair or broke their teeth with a skateboard or and later on you know that's where i snogged so and so behind the car park or <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. and all these memories are are surrounding you and i think everyone can relate to that hometown i think scene. there's something
1: very comforting about that definitely yeah and I, and, and I, sort of, I joke with friends that have come back and something sort of oh, i knew you come back you know kind of thing. But yeah, there is. There's something very comforting about it, and again, possibly why I've never, why I don't want to lose that comfort. Um, I don't think you have to. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We
0: don't. We don't think any of that. Funny enough, I have been to Fingal Oh, have you? Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing there? I just.
1: It was just just a holiday uh, when m- my wife and I first started seeing each other. We we we, we got tickets and went to finger I think we kind of didn't really venture out as much as I, I wish we had, really, because we're quite new, quite into Gibraltar there, isn't it?
0: Yes, it's yeah, not far to Yeah, yeah it's, I it's... think
1: we f- we feel like we should have maybe like. Oh yeah, there's loads there. of amazing yeah. things to explore around
0: the yeah. coast. So where else have you been then?
1: Well, I've been to DC a couple of times because my sister-in-law lives over there. So we've been there a couple of times. She got married in Virginia, so we've been to there. And DC, which is yeah, it's an interesting place. I think there's some some levels of isolation in in DC mm. when in that a lot of it's everything's fed into the, into DC itself. So a lot of people live out in the sort of in the sticks in the suburbs, and then you know to drive. Heavier, but I think America's kind of got quite a lot of areas like that
0: yeah it has uh, I mean some of my favorite walking cities if you've been to Boston that's a great walking city and there are places that um, you know are really good I've heard about good things about Philadelphia I haven't yet been I'd really like to go yeah. to Philadelphia that sounds like a really good there are
1: parts city. of the America that I'd like to explore more definitely
0: so um, how do you how do you square that now I know it's a lot harder now you've got young kids same as me for travel do you take them anywhere
1: yeah well I mean they've come with us to the states a couple times so yeah they've, and they've really enjoyed it I mean they're massively into camping at the moment, so we do a lot of camping trips. L- yeah, they just really like basic stuff. They've not really, they've not really ever wanted to, uh, they haven't really wanted to explore abroad particularly. And so we've, we've done lots of camping trips um, locally and and around the UK. So that's kind of, I think over the next few years, that's kind of what we're going to do a little bit more of.
0: I think that's lovely. Those sort of childhood camping trips. I, I certainly did them, and they were, you know, they're, they're they're really memorable. Even though what the parents sometimes remember, are like. It's the rain and you know, the difficultness of kids. Yeah. when you look back on it, you remember the the amazing times. It's yeah. a really good bonding experience. Not that I've done it with my kids yet. The last time I went camping was probably Glastonbury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on your travels, especially when you were travelling with the with the band, you must have gone to some sort of gritty areas. Is there anywhere you felt you know out of your comfort zone
1: yeah well i mean um liverpool was great uh, but we stayed in topstiff and i think they'd had quite a lot of riots there in the 80s and so a lot of even like the local news agents um were more like banks uh, kind of like going into a a garage lot where you're with the clunk clunk you know um, this is very good for radio but clunk, clunk clunk things that you put you put your 50p in and then you the double decker comes out you know and it was It was just kind of surreal because all all the shops were like that, all the local shops, and it did feel like, I don't know, like we were in some sort of third world country a little bit. And, yeah, just kind of a strange feeling of, I guess, slightly, like, eerie. And I do remember us thinking, I don't know what's going on here, you know, you know.
0: Is it when you go into? I've been in a few off licences around the country, and and, in, and maybe in the states as well actually. That are, you walk in and they're fenced off. So like the counters yeah, have yeah. sort of fences, and you have. Well, to... Well, this
1: is like that. Yeah, this had that very similar sort of feel. Yeah, and you kind of feel like you're, you know you sort of being watched, and you know you're kind of a bit paranoid, and you know, oh, is something is <laughs> something bad going to happen any minute?
0: And then um, you've got to send them off to, a bit like when you go to a petrol station late, late at night, and yeah, you always are through the hatch. It's just going, don't yeah. get me. You know, it's a little bit awkward. Really, yeah, it was exactly the, the same as that, there. basically. Mm. So where where else have you been abroad then?
1: Going back to when I was a child probably one of the reasons why I haven't done masses of travelling as an adult was that um, I think after having my mum got diagnosed with leukemia when I was three and so she was ill for three years before she died and I guess there wasn't really any time for family holidays she was having lots of treatment and I think my dad sort of after she passed away sort of half-heartedly tried to do some family holidays with us and um, we did go to... um, uh, there's a little t- town about 3 miles up the road from us called New Haven which has got a ferry port so we we got on the ferry and we went to Dieppe which is basically 4 hours on the on the ferry across the, across the sea it's the ne- it's the next destination and we we had like a weekend there in some it was a quite a surreal sort of very old fashioned french hotel more like a and i suppose and my dad had scrimped on the room, so that we were to share. So it was me and my dad in a double bed, I think, and then my brother had a spare bed. It turned out it, would, it was basically a, a booze run that <laughs> my dad had decided to do—a duty-free booze run, get some master shaves and stuff, but included like a couple of days for us to actually stay in a hotel. I just remember it because I remember us sitting in the hotel in the evenings, and we were talking, we were talking a lot and stuff, and I remember thinking, "This is." this this could be as good as it gets you know holiday wise this is you know no expense spared and i think after that kind of family holidays kind of petered out a little bit and we didn't really do any family holidays i didn't really experience family holidays in the same way a lot of my peers did my friends you know i had friends going off to spain and france or wherever it might be and having package holidays and things and i never really Experienced that, and I do remember sort of especially in my teen years, you know, like summer holidays, feeling a little bit isolated because a lot of my friends had gone away, and I wasn't, I wasn't able to. So I don't know if some of that has sort of crept into my my neurosis of leaving <laughs> the town.
0: Oh, it must have been so hard as the yeah. mother of an almost six year old, you know, to think of them at that age losing their mum. It just must have been so heartbreaking for everyone.
1: Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a very difficult time, obviously. Yeah, um, for all of us. And yeah, being a parent now, I obviously feel it a lot more. Uh, and my children are uh, eight, uh, nine, and eleven now, but um, you know, I I kind of think, oh God, you were only, you know, when they were, when I remember when my little one turned six, thinking, you know, I, I couldn't imagine him handling that.
0: You've turned out all right, though, haven't you?
1: I've turned out all right.
0: Well, have you, have you got any ambitions to travel anywhere?
1: Yeah, I oh, know, I really would. I really like. like well, I, do you know what? Since I've become an author. I've had the opportunity to travel loads around the UK. I've been to Scotland three times. i have never been to Scotland in my life until I became an author. And I've been there three times. I went up to Wick, which is on the borders. It's absolutely beautiful landscape up there. It's just, you know, it's miles and miles of trees, um, fields, rolling hills and everything. It's just so beautiful up there. And I went up there and I won I, I a book award, which was very nice. And I've been to Glasgow a few times and Wigtown, which is a little town. It's a very funny little town on the west coast, and it's the whole town, it's got one co-op, but the rest of the shops are all bookshops. So second-hand bookshops, new bookshops here. And they have this festival every year, and they have all these authors go up, and it's just fascinating going around all these bookshops, and they're all quite different. Um, They sell antique books and all sorts of things, and it's just, yeah, fascinating. So, yeah, so I've been able to travel a lot since I became doing the books. And, yeah, there's loads of places I like to go and see. I mean, we've talked about going to Italy. I'd love to go to Italy just because I love the food and, you know, just Sicily and things like that. I'd love to go and see. Yeah, and there are other places in America I'd like to go to. My wife's been to New York, and so I'd really like to go to New York just to to see some of those iconic buildings. I'm really into films, so I'd like, there's all these things I think I really want to see that
0: that place with the books in Scotland sounds amazing it must be yeah. a nightmare for anyone who wants to pop out and buy anything that you can't get at the co-op or the supermarket or, yeah, it's uh, very or the very. there's
1: a cafe as well but that's it it's very Yeah. It sounds lovely though really yeah, beautiful no, it's bu- it's it's it sounds yeah. very picturesque yes yeah it was yeah yeah amazing yeah and everyone's so lovely and it's just yeah it was a really lovely experience
0: so tell me about your books then before I ask you my last question
1: okay so um, yeah I've written ten books now um, they're all for sort of yeah I guess key, key to one children so so yeah, um, early primary years so I've got one about dinosaurs I've got ones about a monster that eats children they've got a couple of monster books but yeah, it's just a variety of different different picture books really which I, I, I've loved writing and I've just started moving into writing some teen novels in, in, uh, in free verse so um, I've always loved poetry going and going back to the poetry thing that I did with my, my first book What too. is free verse, sorry, so, poetry novice So instead of prose, you're writing in a verse form so it doesn't, um, but rhyme. It's a, doesn't rhyme doesn't yeah. rhyme no but it's using it's really just using the language to drive the narrative which is really appealing to me and so I guess when you're writing a picture book when you've only got like 36 pages 32 pages I think it's a thousand words you need to convey that narrative in a very small kind of thing and it kind of it's a kind of knock on from that really I'm not using you know I'm writing a 300 page book but it's using you know maybe 20,000, 30,000 words, whereas a normal novel would be like 80,000, 100,000 words. So it's really containing languages really driving the narrative. So you're having, you know, one sentence might, might convey a whole scene, you know. So it's, it's using those kind of things, and I really, that really appeals to me. I love poetry.
0: That sounds like um, a real challenge as a writer to write something that will then look like it's very beautifully simple, but there's a lot of hard work that's gone
1: into it. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is, they are very challenging to write and they, take, they do take a long time. And I've written two. I'm currently writing one about Syria. Um, I'm really interested in the conflicts in Syria. And I, it's uh, three stories that it sort of interlink. One's based on a. I saw a Channel 4 news item and it was about um, a man called Abu Ward who was a. He had a garden centre in Aleppo and it was the last garden centre sort of standing after all the bombing. And um, his son, who was 13, I think at the time, had come to work with him on this, uh, at the garden centre. They were kind of the last beacon of hope in Aleppo, and people would come and buy uh, rosemary and other plants and flowers to go and decorate like local roundabouts. So they, yeah, they sold all these plants to locals who would go and, yeah, decorate parts of the city just to sort of show that you know we're still here, we're still alive, we're still you know there's still something going on here and so yeah I I was so touched by it It was just a really heartbreaking um, story of of this son and his father just you know trying to create something special in a in a very desolate place so I wanted to write something about them and then it kind of moved on from that that I wanted to write a section about the White Helmets which is the Syrian sort of um, emergency service who go to when there's been a bombing or uh, an airstrike or something they go and they are there to try and you know pull people out of the grounds you know and they see these guys see horrific things so that was kind of the the idea for the second story and then the third story will be about a syrian refugee who's going to a, a camp in northern iraq and kind of goes back to the thirst boom because in northern iraq in the ref, ref, refugee camps they have gardening's a big thing um i didn't realize until i started researching that um gardening's huge in syria and um so um, there's quite a few charities that work there. There's one called Lemon Tree Trust who who showed us had a garden at Chelsea I think recently, and they run like gardening competitions in in the refugee camps. And so I wanted to do a story about that and sort of marry it all back into the you know the idea of gardening. And so so I've been doing lots of research on plants and things like that. So.
0: That sounds like an incredible story. I can't wait wait to uh, yeah I'm hoping,
1: yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm sort of yeah I'm nearly I'm nearly there, but yeah it's not quite. Ah what
0: a what a story and what a a, a timely story as well I hope that from when I interviewed George Galloway a few weeks mm. ago he said he had high hopes for the near future of Syria so yeah. I, I hope that's the case yeah. and maybe you can maybe
1: one day go there exactly one
0: day yeah. you can visit yeah. yeah right I'm going to ask you my last question okay. which is always about music because to me music and travel are very much interlinked whether you're just you know commuting to work on the train yeah, or sure. you know traveling around the pool if you might be and it's about music and if you had to choose one song that reminds you of a special time or place when you've been travelling or on the road mm. or even in Seaford, what would that one song be?
1: Well, I will choose something that reminds me of Seaford, and it was it's a it's a song by Ludovico. I know I don't know now. I, he's a um, pianist. I generally only listen to rock music, but um, I do like some classical music. And actually, if you listen to any kind of, if there's anything they need, evocative music on on particularly on the BBC, they use a piece of Audi music because he's a very heartfelt, beautiful music. And he wrote a piece called La Onde, which means the wave, and it reminds me of the sea. And um, it's just this beautiful, lilting piano piece, very dramatic and very poignant. And uh, it always makes me kind of well up because it does make me think of the sea and the ocean and being in Seaford and maybe sitting out on the beach, listening to some music. So that's what always would be my my pick
0: thank you so much Giles for that lovely insight into your life you've certainly got me dreaming about once again visiting the white cliffs of Sussex that's it for this week see you next week when we've got loose women's Andrea McLean on the big travel podcast